We're sort of known for being the phone generation and that we don't have great social skills, but I think in a way it's teaching us to be more resourceful because we have these new ways of gaining information and we're learning how to use them and I think that's going to help us make some breakthroughs with new developments in the future. Gen Z's that I've interacted with, the thing that I really appreciate about them is they ask questions, they listen, and they act upon it. And at that age, I wish I had that. They do not form hard opinions against other cultures in our life today as we older people do sometimes. And I just admire them to be able to accept the diversity, especially in our city and around the world. They don't know a world without internet at home. And that, I think, is amazing. And because of it, their access to knowledge blows my mind. And they've got the tools to look it up. And because that's the way that they've grown up, the way that they think and how quickly they process information, I continue to be kind of spellbound by that. Like, just how quickly they can think through something and come out with probably a researched response. Sometimes, the older generation has to call them to see how you do something on a computer. They're going to inherit some of the biggest economic problems, financial problems, uh, environmental problems that we've ever faced. So I think we need to put our faith in these guys to be resourceful, even, even if they are the phone generation. I think we can learn a thing or two from, from that because they're going to be accessing information, using it quickly to carry us, you know, to the next level. really enjoyed those videos before the, the sermon, just hearing from people of uh, different generations within our church, uh, just expressing. And so often when we talk about other generations, we do so almost disparagingly, almost getting a, a laugh at their expense. And yet what we've seen in those videos is just this mutual appreciation for one another and what we can learn from one another and what it means to uh, to not just live and navigate this world that we live in, but also what it means to love God more and follow him as we've seen the examples from all of these different generations. Uh, if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me this morning to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, if you don't have either one of those, uh, we'll have the words up on the screen, or you can go on and download a, an app right now, one of my favorites, the Version Bible app. Uh, download it, you'll have time to, to get it open before we get to our text here this morning, but we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4. Uh, if you're new with us this morning, welcome. Uh, so glad that you are here I know it can be very difficult going to church, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. It can be a, a hard step to take, uh, but you made it, and we're proud of you for making that, and we hope that you have found this to be a place uh, where you've been able to worship this morning and maybe breathe a little bit easier in this chaotic world. Uh, one of the things that is really on my heart as a minister here um, at Sherwood Oaks is that, that this church is more than just a place where we gather on Sunday mornings for worship, but that this church, what God is doing is, is growing a, a family of believers who come together and share life with one another. 
Uh, you know, I've, I've talked about it before. One of my favorite passages that kind of illustrates what Christian community ought to look like is, is Paul's words in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, when he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And so we want this to be a body of believers where we rejoice together, where we mourn together, and we just kind of walk through life with one another. Really, it comes down, we want this to be a church family. And, and I'm still, you know, pretty new here to this church family, uh, about a year now. Uh, and what I've appreciated so much is how you all have let me into your life, uh, even in this weird season that we've been in, you've allowed me into your life. And I want to always be aware that I'm reciprocating that, 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 you know, as I stand up here and, and preach and kind of help walk through and navigate God's word, that I'm never really doing it as one who says, listen to me because I have it all figured out. <laughs> um, but that I do it as someone who, who recognizes like scripture still forming me and I'm still wrestling through my own faith and how to live these things out. And, and so I want to be as honest with you as, as I hope that we are with one another and that you will be with me. And so I want to kind of open up a piece of my, my life I've maybe shared a little bit about. But as you know, we are growing and becoming family, uh, I think it's an important part of who I am that I want to share with you. Um, for most of my adult life, I have struggled and wrestled with depression and anxiety. Um, I saw a counselor for the very first time about it my sophomore year of college, which was the spring of 2000, so about 21 years ago now. And over the course of that time, I've, I've gone to various counselors and, and therapists. I've been trying to, to fight against that and kind of work through it and, and, and reconcile, you know, this faith that I have with the struggle that I have. And, and I've kind of grown to, to appreciate Paul's words where, you know, talks about uh, receiving that thorn in the flesh as a way of leaning into God's grace, of God reminding him, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so for me, this has kind of been one of those things where I've realized God's power made perfect in my weakness, but I still struggle with it from time to time. And, and so I, I, I believe that one of the reasons, and if you're struggling with that this morning, first of all, I want you to know you're, you're not alone. You're not alone. This is a safe place where we can struggle through some of these things together. But what I've learned is that it's important to have some, some, some weapons in our arsenal that we can pull out to fight the battle that goes on in our mind and in our heart. And so counseling and therapy has been an incredible weapon to fight against that. But I also believe that depression and anxiety, it, it is physical, it is chemical, but it's also spiritual. And so while counseling and at times medication has helped me fight against the physical and the chemical aspect of my depression and my anxiety, the greatest tool that I have found to help fight the spiritual battle is scripture memorization. It's hiding God's word in my heart. And when Satan wants to whisper those lies over me, I pull out the truth of God's word and remind myself of who I am in Christ and the tools that I have at my expense in this battle for my mind and for my heart. And the first scripture that I memorized in this battle is Paul's words in Philippians chapter four. I want to read those to us today. 
Paul writes these words, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now hit pause right here just for a moment because we hear that and, and, I, and I've read that at times. The Lord is near almost as like a threat. Rejoice and be kind to others because God is watching. <laughs> That's not what it's talking about. I think what Paul is telling us is that we can rejoice no matter what we go through in life. We can rejoice, not in the circumstances, but in the Lord. That no matter who is in front of us, we can be kind and gracious. Maybe not so much because they deserve it, but because the Lord is near us. He is with us. He is the anchor for our soul, no matter what we navigate through. And so... Paul reminds us that the Lord is near to us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Put, put those things in your mind. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Begin to live these good things out and the God of peace will be with you. You may have noticed that the word peace is mentioned twice in this passage. And it's an important word because it's the antidote to anxiety. God's peace is the antidote to our anxiety. And in verse 7, Paul tells us that as we bring the causes of our anxiety to the Lord in prayer, the peace of God guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, God's peace stands ready to fight for us against those cares and concerns that want to attack and consume our hearts and our minds. God's peace guards us against those things. And it doesn't mean that when we pray, all of our circumstances will change and that all of our needs will be met. It means that when we pray, we are reminding ourselves that God sits on the throne of our hearts and that he will protect his kingdom at all costs. The kingdom in you, God will protect that. He will come to the defense of anything that wants to, to attack and remove him from his rightful place in our hearts. God's protective of that peace that he gives us and it guards us against anything that wants to consume us and kick him off of the throne, which is what worry and anxiety does. It replaces God with that worry or that anxiety as the central thing in our mind and in our heart. And God protects his kingdom that he is building inside of us and he guards it with his peace. And as we focus our hearts and our minds on these things and we, we set our minds on things that are true and right and beautiful, the things of God instead of the things of this world, we begin to, and we begin to not only focus on those things, but actually put them into practice. We begin to live those things out in our lives. Then Paul tells us in verse nine that the peace of God will go with us and be with us. 
This passage teaches us that no matter what comes your way, you can rejoice in the Lord, knowing that the peace of God will guard you and the God of peace will go with you. And that is such good news for us today. It's an important message in our increasingly anxious society, but I think it is, it is also good news and an important message for those who are growing up in the Gen Z generation. In fact, if there's, if there's one word that you could use to describe this generation, it's anxiety. It's no wonder because, I mean, just look at the world in, in which they have grown up. It, it, is, it is a world of, of global terrorism. It's a world where, where all they have ever known are these kind of threats on the, on the outside wanting to attack. They, it, it's a world um, that, that has been filled with political turmoil and economic turmoil. It's a world that's now been shaped by a global pandemic. It's no wonder that this generation is consumed so much with and by anxiety. And then you add to all of this, that this is the first generation that for their entire lives, the world is literally at their fingertips for good or for bad. They get it all. Everything is coming at them. And where most of us grew up in in a very small, like range of what, of the news that we received and, and for some, that started to grow and grow and grow as we got older. Gen Z, their entire lives, they have been able to, at the tip of their fingers, access anything and everything that is happening in the world around them. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's a little scary, but it's raised up and it's just been this recipe for anxiety. And as a father of two Gen Zers and the pastor of a church where nearly one third of our congregation is, is from this generation, think about that. One out of three people who attend Sherwood Oaks are from the Gen Z generation. I am incredibly grateful for our next gen ministers who are partnering with parents in our church to raise this generation up, to know, love, and follow Jesus, and to surrender all things to him, including maybe even especially their anxious hearts. And so today we get to hear from some of them. Will you help me welcome uh, Tyler Cadwell, Sarah Bynum, and Grant Gardner to the stage who work with our next gen students. So, you know, studies show that uh, 80% of people who come to faith in Christ do so before they're 18. So uh, good luck with that, guys. Make it happen. We're counting on you. (laughs) Uh, But it does, I mean, it does show the importance of our next-gen ministries. So many people are making foundational decisions that don't just affect their lives, but their entire eternity and they're doing so before they're 18 years old. And, and so it's important that we minister and we care to them. And, and we've always been a church that pours heavily into our next generation. Uh, and, and we're just going to continue to do that even more. And I'm so grateful for the work that you all are doing towards that effort. So as you think about Gen Z, uh, what are some of the things that you have grown just to admire and appreciate um, about, this, about this generation? Tyler, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, something I really love about this generation is their sense of wonder. You know, we keep talking about uh, all the access to the information they have, and and that's so true. But even with that, uh, they have this sense of wonder and sense of wanting to know more. uh, And and that's always impressed me with with this this crew. So they have all access to all this information, and yet they still are hungry for more more information. Definitely. Yeah. Sarah? 
Yeah, I think for me, what I have grown to really love and appreciate about them is just their openness, like you shared today, to talk about the struggles that they are having with anxiety and depression and just mental health in general. I think it's something that all older generations can learn from because there's some beauty in walking alongside each other as we go through that. Yeah, absolutely. Grant, how about you as a middle school minister? <laughs> yeah, I would say um, one of the things I love about this generation is um, with all of the connections and different things with social media uh, and being connected with the whole world, uh, people in Gen Z have to f navigate this space of how do I be different? and unique, and so um, I think back to a superstar that we just had this weekend, or a CIY mix, which are just church events that we've had, um, where we've had to space out all of the students six feet apart in their chairs, uh, and so they're on these little islands, uh, and we're still worshiping uh, God, and I watched these fifth and sixth graders um, at this camp you know, run around and jump and, and worship God in that space. And I think, you know, wow, because me at that age, I don't know if I would have been undignified like that, you know, as David would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I love that that generation is really stepping in. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So we see like this hunger for knowledge, this sense of authenticity in their relationships, and just this fierce independence to, to be who they are, uh, no matter what others may think. Yeah, that's great. What are some of the spiritual strengths that you've seen in this generation as, as you've served with them? Yeah, uh, I think one of the biggest ones is they want to serve. They, they want to pursue knowledge and they want to do those things. And you know, you guys get a different answer than the other two services because I popped into the high school uh, service just to say, hey, you know, because it's going on at this time. And um, one of our students was like, hey, Tyler, can you make an option uh, for the family during your spring break week. And I said, I wish you had that idea four weeks ago so I could, you know, but it was just like their openness and, and wanting to know more and to serve and, and, and journey alongside each other. Yeah. It's so cool. That's neat. Yeah. yeah, the spiritual strength that always stands out to me, it goes back to the hunger that Tyler was talking about. I have kind of a unique perspective. I lead a sixth grade small group and a college small group, so I get kind of both ends. Both ends of the Gen Z yeah. generation, yeah. Um, but there's a commonality there that when we're in small group, we just read straight through the scripture, we pause, they sit in it, and then they come with their questions and we kind of all together dive into those. And whether they are in college or they're in the sixth grade, they're willing to just take that jump and jump in and ask their questions and dive deeper and truly get to know what the heart of that scripture is. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I would say, you know, the serving is such a key with this generation. Um, we have two back there, Gen Zers, the Stevens, uh, serving on camera. Um, that's right. And so, yeah, I just love uh, this generation's heart to serve. Um, Sarah's nephew, Gideon, uh, in between services came and gave me a fruit snack uh, because he thought I needed uh, the energy. So, <laughs> um, so I appreciate that about him. Uh, but I also love this generation's humility, which might be kind of weird to hear. Um, with That's right, because often when we hear about Gen Z, we th people talk about they're, they're just this entitled generation. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about their humility as being a, a spiritual strength. Tell, tell us a little bit more. About yeah, that. so I think with um, 
all of the access of information and different things like that. When two people are having a, a discussion now um, and there's a disagreement, there's always like, well, let's just look it up. Uh, and so you've had to enter into that space of, uh, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I think with that comes a lot of, you know, with all of this knowledge at our fingertips, we're able to see that uh, the more we learn, the more there is to learn. Uh, and so, you know, there's a humility in that. that. Yeah. Yeet to that. <laughs> That's a Gen Z word. This last week, I've been learning Gen Z words. I thought about um, quizzing Grant on his Gen Z lingo knowledge. And so, Grant, actually, at the 11 o'clock service, this is what we're going to do. Are you right? Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. <laughs> That's what it's all I, won't, about. I won't do that to you. There's, there's some good ones, though, out there. And in fact, there's some, some instructional videos on speaking Gen Z. And, and uh, we watched them with some guys and, like, oh, I finally understand what that kid was saying. <laughs> that was really helpful. I didn't understand it until then. But yeah, kind of that own language. But it's interesting though, right? Like there's, there's no more of that wondering who is right and who is wrong on fact-based arguments. It is, well, let's just Google it and we'll see. And there's a humility to say, yep, I was wrong. But there's also kind of, you have to hold a humility to say, I might be wrong next time. Yeah. <laughs> and so we approach this with some teachability, I think is maybe a good word for, for this generation. Uh, what about some challenges that you see? Because certainly every generation has challenges, um, spiritual challenges as well that we have to overcome. What are some of the spiritual challenges that you've seen this Gen Z generation have to overcome? Yeah, oh, there's a lot of them. And I think, you know, we keep talking about the abundance of information and that is so true. And um, with that, become, there comes challenges, you know, and I think all generations are susceptible to this at a certain extent, but I think Gen Z specifically is really susceptible to uh, having their own ideology because of all the different facts, the different things that they've found and you know, their experiences and lifting up their ideology and saying, this is correct. This is you know, who, how God is or how God should be. So and their ideology yeah. becomes their idol, yeah. so to speak. Like they've and created a God in their own image. And exactly. And, and, yeah. um, and like I said, I've been guilty of that in my past. And I think that there's um, the, any generation will have that problem, that, that uh, temptation. But I think with Gen Z, with the abundance of information, because of their like, you can look at this and say, that's true, that's true, that's true. It, it becomes easier to kind of view God in that sense rather than saying like, okay, who does God actually say he is? And who does God actually reveal himself to be? So I think that's something that they really have to navigate and, and we can walk alongside them through that and in that. Kind of give them some wisdom to, to see who yeah. God really is. Yeah, it's good. Sarah, what about you? Yeah, I've noticed that when they are, it's like they're caught in this tension between the truth and the hunger that they're so searching for, but also the anxiety that kind of can dominate their lives a lot. And with anxiety, it's almost like your brain will just continue to cycle through the same thoughts over and over and over again. And so what I've come to notice that I'm saying to a lot of my college students specifically is you have to go back and break that, that cycle of thought. You have to go back to what is true. What has God shown himself to be to you? What have you read in the scriptures? And use that truth as the, the anchor, as yeah. you've mentioned before, something to just stop that train of thought. Yeah, kind of kicks you off that crazy train of anxiety to say, no, this is true. Not all of this thing, these things that are circling around my mind, but this is true. Yeah. 
Brent, what about you as you think about challenges uh, for this generation spiritually? Yeah, I think, um, you know, thinking back to school and just going through that space, um, you know, math worksheets where it would have all the problems and you would try to fill it out as fast as possible so you were the first one done. Um, I don't know if you guys relate to that, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm learning so much about you this yeah. morning, Grant. This is great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think with all of the access to information at their fingertips and, you know, as schools became more comfortable letting students use calculators and things like that, uh, Gen Z became so used to having the answers at their fingertips all the time. Um, and one problem with that is not all questions can be easily answered uh, in an instant. And so as Gen Z navigates some of those harder spaces where the questions aren't always easily answered or don't even have an answer sometimes, uh, I don't think they are, are the best at navigating those spaces. And so they could use people to walk alongside in that area. And again, it comes to wisdom. Right? which is something that we all need. But I think especially for this generation that is being bombarded from all sides, so many different opinions and theories, and just to be able to have the wisdom to navigate through all of that to find Jesus. And the need for adults in our church and their families to help them, not just give them and say, hey, this is the answer, but here's the wisdom you need to be able to navigate and find the answer. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk a lot about or the, the idea is that the next generation is the church of the future. But we, we try to fight against that a little bit at Sherwood Oaks, that they're a meaningful part of the body of Christ and the family of Christ right now. They're the church of today, just as much as anyone is. So what are some ways that you've seen Gen Z be the church of today? Well, I think that illustration I had of going to the high school class and saying like, hey, can... can you make a family day where my family can come and be a part of serving. It, it just speaks so true to how they are being the church today uh, because not only do they wanna serve others, but they wanna bring others with them <laughs> to serve others. Um, and it's just so awesome to see on a weekly basis and um, their heart for others and wanting to give back and making sure uh, that um, people don't feel that anxiety, that, don't, that depression, uh, that they're able to uh, get outside of themselves and, and think about what other people might be going through because they don't want them to feel the way that they felt. Yeah, I think I've already touched on this a little bit, but um, the way I really see it is when, what, with my college girls specifically, how I've seen it happen is one of them will really open up about how they're struggling and the others will come alongside and serve them in that way of saying, okay, let's take a break from this. Or if you're that stressed out, let's go have a girls night or get away from campus. So I see them serving each other in a very practical and active way. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, one of the big aspects of being the church uh, of today is uh, their hopefulness. And so even in the midst of this pandemic and everything that's going on, I think a lot of us adults can look at this generation and be like, look at all the things that they are missing out on. Um, but I was reminded, you know, this weekend at, at this church camp for fifth graders uh, where we stayed overnight at a hotel uh, and one of the students came up to me and was like, wow, 
I feel like I'm a college student <laughs> living with all these kids. And so I thought that was, you know, so awesome that, you know, he doesn't know that he was missing out on the, the experience that the year before where there were more people and different things. And he just went into that area and, and gave me hope through that. And so I, I love that. It is neat to see how this generation just comes alongside themselves and others just to say, hey, we're in this together. It's hard, but let's, we can get through it. We can get through it. All right, so we have about a minute left here. Uh, what are some ways that people can get involved in our next gen, next gen ministries and, and serve the Gen Z generation? That's a lot of gens that I just threw out there. Gen, gen, gen. gen. Uh, you want to start? Sure. Um, so Tyler and Grant are going to talk a little bit more about like serving alongside the students, but I know that can be really intimidating for a lot of people. It was for me when I first got started. So we, um, specifically in high school, have a great opportunity where we need adults specifically to help us. We have been blessed to be able to provide a meal for high school students every Sunday night that we have the six, but with COVID, um, that has required things to change a little bit. We used to do it just like buffet style and they just walk on through, but now we have to physically serve them the food, um, which is not a problem at all, but it requires more hands. And we have a great couple who leads that team. So if you have any Sunday, it doesn't have to be every Sunday night, but if you have any Sunday that you could say yes, like the second Sunday of every month I'm here, we would love to have you join our team. And they can come and contact yep, you. You can contact me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. And if you want to serve and do in a small group, that's something that I want to hear about as well. And I would, you know, talk with you and meet with you and all that. And, but I think what would go a really long way is if you think about the Gen Z people in your life uh, and celebrate and encourage their unique talents and gifts, because they may not have even seen that about themselves yet. And uh, when you hear a compliment or, or encouragement in something you're good at, that empowers you uh, to keep growing in that. And, and not only in just like your skills and talents, but like in your spiritual life, that can really form as well. So uh, that's, that's what I think would really go a long ways. If you want to serve, fantastic, but please find people in your life and encourage them. Yeah, with uh, middle school ministry, we have um, some small group opportunities, uh, especially outside of Sunday morning, for you to walk alongside students. Um, and if that's intimidating to you, um, I just want to give you this encouragement that many times when I've had conversations with you guys and you've, you've came up and you've said, you know, oh, you know, it's awesome that you're helping with these students and speaking into their lives because they really need someone young like you. You know, I can't connect with them. Uh, and I just want to speak to how untrue that is uh, because they do want to hear from you guys um, and they want to hear your hearts. And I know the phones and the lingo uh, can be kind of intimidating, but uh, if you're willing to navigate that space and walk into it, uh, these students would love to hear from you guys. And like we talked about earlier, they could learn a lot of the, the skills that you have developed over the years. And so you're, you're definitely, you're not too old. <laughs> That's just a good word for all of us this morning, isn't it? You're not too old. <laughs> Amen. Preach. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, guys, thank you so much for your work with you. Gen Z and for sharing with us this morning. Appreciate you very much. Oh, man, I love them. So we've been saying uh, from, from the beginning of this series that, that God in his infinite wisdom created his church to be this beautiful 
diverse, multi-ethnic, multi-generational body of Christ, that we are stronger. We are more of the church that God intends for us to be when we come together in the unity of the spirit. We take away all of these things that want to divide us, all of these things that want to cause animosity between us. We take those, we surrender them to the spirit and we say, Lord, here we are, use us, unite us to be your body, serving and loving one another and our community. And that's been the heart of this series because we believe that's the church that God desires for us to be. And so may we continue to be a church of people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. May we raise up multiple generations of Christ followers that will continue to reach people with the gospel for generations to come long after we are gone. May we continue to mentor across generations knowing that there is so much that we can teach one another and that we can learn from one another if we just come together and honor one another instead of fight one another. And may we boldly proclaim the works of the Lord from one generation to the next, proclaiming his goodness, his power, his grace to those who follow us. And may we proclaim that message until Christ calls us home or comes back for us. Would you stand with me? And I'll close this off with a word of prayer. God, thank you for how you have shaped your church. And, and Lord, I, the, the reason why I know it's, it's, it's your idea uh, is because it's, it's probably nothing any of us would have done. <laughs> so often we see it in, in other little community groups and organizations in, in this world where we, we just kind of get together with people who are of the same age and stage of life as we are, the same politics that we are, same just kind of structure and families that we're from and experiences and background. And yet, Lord, in your church, we walk in and there's so much diversity. There's there's so many things that that outside of these walls, we may just disagree on. But Lord, what brings us together and what makes us the body of Christ is Jesus himself. Jesus, who has called us out of darkness and into this light in which we can live. Jesus, who has ushered us, invited us into his grace. And is that grace that tears down all of these walls that want to divide us, all of these labels that we want to put on each other, Lord, it is that grace that builds your body in this church. And so, Father, I pray that we will be united in the spirit, that we will learn to appreciate and grow from one another. Every single person brings in differences that's been informed from their generation, their upbringing, uh, wherever the, 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 the country or the community in which they were raised. We all bring those in, but God, may we bring those in and hold on to them loosely for the sake of the gospel and more people to come to know, love, and follow Jesus. And Lord, may it be so, not just for this generation not just for Gen Z, not just for the generation behind them that is right now in our nursery and pre-K, but may it be for generations to come that we are a church that is making you known. And we'll do it, Lord, until you call us home or until you come back for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org slash messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.